I think that the season of Thanksgiving gets cheated. What do you think? You know, we, um, we get so busy in the season uh, that we're already beginning to look five, six weeks ahead of from now, and we're not spending much time looking at right now. Uh, the season of Thanksgiving is just so short-lived. In fact, we know that the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the highest traffic day of both air, airports and train stations and bus stations and automobile travel. Well, we know that we're all going to be busy uh, traveling here or there or we're going to be receiving people. We know that we're going to be busy thinking about what the menu is going to be on Thanksgiving Day, making sure that we have, as Randy was talking about, the turkey just right, make sure that we have sweet potato with a little bit of that marshmallow on top, make sure we have some green beans, make sure that we have a beautiful salad uh, with uh, mandarin oranges in it and a few nuts. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be... Are you hungry yet? Good. So, um, uh, so I just know we're going to be uh, getting to Thanksgiving, and here's the reality. The reality is we're going to be so busy getting ready for it and eating the meal and then watching as much football as we can. And then, because Black Friday is now moved to Thursday, we're going to be going out shopping for Christmas. Ah. Now, you all say no, but the reality is going to be that there will be huge lines outside the stores on Thanksgiving Day. So Thanksgiving is cheated. It's short-lived. The question I have for you today is this. Is this Thanksgiving going to be short-lived for you, or will you spend this week thinking about what you want to do, what you want to experience this Thanksgiving so that your season of Thanksgiving might actually become a season of thanksgiving. <laughs> Kurt moved from the back row to the second row. Are you ready, Kurt? Ready. So we're moving from Thanksgiving to thanksgiving. And, and, and the, the question only has to be, what are you going to do? Watch football. Or will you give thanks to God for what you have? Uh, one of my favorite teachers, preachers of the early 1900s, is, is a, a person by the name of Harry Emerson Fosdick. And he was a pastor of two of the largest churches in New York City for many, many years. And uh, every summer, uh, he had a time away from New York City. He went to his property in Maine, and he spent two months preparing for the remainder of the year. And uh, in that time, he would take a walk uh, into the forest of his property, and he would look at the trees that had fallen since the previous year. And as he looked at the trees, he looked at the uh, top of the trees, and he noticed that there were some very large branches, and the large branches uh, just created this wonderful canopy of shade for everything underneath it. And then he would walk down to where the, the, the base of the tree is, and he would look at it, and the root system was such that it was impossible for the root system to be able to give strength to the large branches that were in the canopy. They were so shallow. 
And then he went on to say that, that when he returned back to New York City in September, that that is the way he found most people living their lives. And they have this wonderful external aspect of their lives, this wonderful uh, large branches, but then, then he looked down at the base of those people and there was a very poor root system. And, and I think that's true for us as well. Uh, we, we live our lives, we want to have all this expansiveness of, of, of joy and happiness in, in our lives, and yet uh, we, we, we get involved with so many things, and then we look at the root system of our lives, and there's no way that our root system is going to be able to maintain the kind of life that not, only, that not only what we want, but more importantly, what God wants for us. So I ask you right now to think about your own root system and say, is your root system adequate for the life that you want to live? Is your root system uh, giving you the strength that you need uh, for the growth that God wants for you in your present, but not, not only in your present, but more importantly, in your future? So today I want to spend just a few minutes on one of my favorite Bible, Bible stories. It, it talks about how do we give thanks and when we don't give thanks. So if you have your teaching notes with you, you I invite you to take them out. Uh, they're the, one, of, one of the inserts that you find in your program. You'll find at the top there the scripture, or you may actually want to open your Bible uh, to the scripture from Luke chapter 17. I'll begin with the 11th verse. Listen as the word of God is spoken and revealed to you today. On the way to Jerusalem, uh, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. And they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves uh, to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and, and, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were there not ten of you? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to, be, to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. So the question I have for you today, for you to reflect on, is, are you the one, or are you the nine? Are you the one that returned, or are you the nine that did not return? Let me talk to you about this disease called leprosy. Leprosy, uh, we don't hear about it much today, but still around, some, not very many places. But back in the time of Jesus and in that era, uh, leprosy was a major disease. The way it would begin is that people uh, would begin to feel numbness in their fingertips and in their toes. And from that experience of numbness, it would begin uh, to eat away the skin of their fingers and their toes and and their ears, and it would just slowly eat away, eat away, eat away. When, when then, uh, after a season of time, uh, there would be no fingers left, no toes left. Uh, the ears would be eaten away. Their nose 
would be gone. It was a, a, a devastating illness. When you had leprosy, nobody wanted to be near you. When you had leprosy, uh, even your family uh, that loves you didn't, couldn't be near you because they thought that it was contagious and so you didn't want to be near the one that you loved. And as time passed, the person who had this horrible disease that was called a grotesque, it was considered to be, you, you would become a grotesque monster. And in this disease, uh, the people that you wanted to hold, the people that you wanted to, to love, your, your wife, your children, uh, they could not come near you. Slowly, you began to form a new community with other people that looked just like you, people that were grotesquely misformed their skin eaten away. So one day, one day the scripture says uh, that, they, that they had gone out, this band of ten went out uh, to the street corner uh, where there's a lot of traffic. And as they traveled to the street, uh, to the street corner, uh, they would have to call out in advance, unclean, unclean, and people would scatter because they didn't want to be near them. They didn't even want to be uh, near the air that they had walked through in fear of the disease. And so they arrived at this point where they were every single day and they would call out for alms, anything, coins, anything that the, so they could buy food or buy drink, anything to protect them. They would look for the wealthy, hoping that they would be generous. And then one day as they're there, they look out at a distance and they see this man traveling. He didn't look well-dressed, but he had some people following him. So they thought, well, this man must be important. And as they came closer, uh, one, of the, one of your ten uh, said, you know what, that's, that's that new, new teacher, that new rabbi. They, they say that he has the power to heal. And so they all decide, you know what, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. As he comes closer, we're going to yell out, Master, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. And it kept on getting louder and louder and louder. And finally, Jesus approached them and came and stood right in front of them. And he looked into the eyes of every single one of them, all ten of them. And then he simply said, Go and show yourself to the priests in the temple. You see, it was a priest in the temple that could say that they were clean. It was not the physician, but only the priest. And so Jesus walks away with his, with his group, his disciples, and, 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 and as Jesus walks away, they start getting up and they start walking. And as they start walking, the Scripture tells us that they start having this tingling sensation and start feeling that uh, their, their, their skin was coming back to life and, they, and they, they're, they're, they're trans, they were being transformed from their, from their ugliness, from their being grotesque to something of beauty. And they walked and they walked. They went to the temple, and there they all stood there praising God and thanking God. And they went before the priest, and the priest was calling them all unclean. And they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But where was the tenth? Did he not get healed? So they were all concerned about him. They were all worried about where, where he might be. And then finally, he shows up. And one of the nine says, where have you been? We, we, we've been worried about you. 
He said, as I started walking and started celebrating and started dancing for joy that I've been renewed in my health, I went back. I went back to that teacher. I went to that rabbi, and, and I simply prostrated myself. I laid myself out, and I looked into his eyes, and I said, thank you. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And that one of the nine that said, why didn't I say thank you? Why didn't I say thank you? Have you ever found yourself in that situation? Have you ever found yourself in, in a position where, where you have been granted a blessing, that you've been granted a, a, a touch of a friend, a family member, someone who has done something good for you, somebody who has done a, given you a blessing, and, and, and you had simply forgot to say thank you? So let me ask you again. Which are you in the ten? Are you the nine? The nine that was so excited about being healed and so excited about what life might be like and so excited about being able to hug their children, so excited about hugging their spouses. Uh, are, are you one of them? Or are you the one who stopped, turned back to the master and said, thank you? You know, we all want to be that one, don't we? I want to stand up before you today and say, yeah, that, that's my life. I, that, I am who that, that one describes. And yet I have to confess to you that I stand before you so frequently, not as one of the nine, not as the one, but of the nine. For the world in which you and I live, it's almost impossible to be the one. So let me share with you just a couple things, just a couple points. You might want to write these, these down. Because here's what I, think, what I think saying thank you means. What, what I, when I say thank you, and I think... What it does is that saying thank you is a sign of our character. It really defines our character. Uh, I, I like the story of the, of the guy who was sitting in a restaurant, and as he was eating a, a, a beautiful piece of chicken, a, a chicken bone got caught in his throat, and he was gasping for air, and he was calling for help, and a doctor who was seated next to him uh, came over and was able to maneuver that bone out of, uh, move it from being wedged in his throat, and was able to pull it out, and, and, and the guy says, what, what do I owe you? And he simply said, well, why don't you give me what you were thinking about when the bone was still stuck in your throat? You know, so often, my friends, we, uh, we, 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 we have good intentions. We have these intentions of saying, yeah, I, I'll do that. I'll say thank you. I'll do whatever it takes to, to live a life of gratitude. I want to live a life of gratitude. And I simply forget. I simply forget. 
Because I get caught up in, the, in, in my calendar and I get caught up in my busyness. I get caught up in, in making the plans that I need for the Thanksgiving season. I, I'm making plans to make sure that I have the right turkey and the right green beans and the right... Or I get so involved in my life and so involved in my ministry and so engaged in what's happening that I, I go from one thing to another to another and I simply forget to say thank you. And I'm not alone. So I, I think the first thing it does for us is that it, it, it creates a, a character for us. It, it builds our character when we say thank you. I think the second thing that it does is when we say thank you, it, 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 it opens up a channel of love between me and someone or someones. It opens a channel of love. You know what we don't say enough? I believe we don't say enough, this phrase enough. You matter to me. I don't think we say that. We just kind of meander through life. And we kind of go through this season in which uh, we, we, just, we just press the, the accelerator pedal down and we keep going faster and faster and faster. And the people that are around us, the people who have sacrificed for us, the people who have loved us, the people who have given us their unconditional love, we have simply overlooked them and, and we have not said, you matter to me. Some of you have seen me uh, diagram this, especially when I'm doing some counseling. Uh, but but in, in my counseling, I, I frequently show this diagram because um, he, here's the objective. If I have two people, and, and these two people are, 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 are trying to, to communicate, what we find is that one person communicates the message, and then this person interprets the message and then sends them an appropriate message back. This is healthy communication. But what happens in our lives so often is that, so, that this person is there and this person is here, and this person communicates a message, but maybe communicating a message with harshness or, or, or a tone or an attitude, and this person receives the message and says, I'm the H out of here. This Look familiar to anybody? Or, or, or we have two people, and, and, one, and one person is engaged here uh, giving a message, but it doesn't get quite received because this person is talking over them, and they just have this, this feeling of, I'm not engaging. There's a brick wall right there. And we live our lives like this. And, and, and then, uh, I can do this forever, but then we have these messages uh, that we, we, we are so involved in, in life and so involved in what we're doing. We're living this, this, this kind of life that's um, isolated. It's, it's um, a silo kind of life. And, and this person, at the same time, these person are communicating. And they're really not communicating because they're not sending messages that relate to the other person. So our lives are so wrapped up in this kind of communication. But what would happen if you and I stopped during this season of Thanksgiving, if you and I stopped in, in these next few hours that are before us, 
and simply said, you know what, I, I, I'm tired of living this kind of life, and I'm tired of living this kind of life, and I'm tired of living this kind of life. I want to say to the other person, you matter to me. And, and it would be good if we responded back, you matter to me. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Paul, can you come up to the keys? I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Inside your program, you'll find a note card, and you'll find an envelope. I want you to think about a person in your life right now, somebody that you want to communicate with during the season of Thanksgiving. And I'm going to invite you to place that name on the outside of the envelope. First name, initials, in case you're sitting next to that person right now. Or you may just want to leave it blank if you're going to write to the person next to you. But then today, tomorrow, before Thursday, I'm going to challenge you to do an act of kindness, of gratitude, of thanksgiving for one person in your life. Perhaps it's your spouse. Perhaps it's a child. Perhaps it's um, a neighbor. Perhaps it's somebody that you're in conflict with right now. Perhaps it's somebody uh, that is in your neighborhood and, and, and they're the kind of people who take out measuring sticks and yardsticks uh, when you're parked over the curb just a little bit more than you're supposed to be. And you want to give them a blessing instead of... Who is it? Now, you can take this card home and you can probably find it a year from now when you're cleaning out your papers because you decide not to do it. Or you can decide that you're going to allow this season of thanksgiving to be a true season of thanksgiving because you've taken the opportunity to stop and listen and to grow more into the image of God because you've sent a note. Now, if you want more notes, I have a lot of cards. Happy to share them. But at least start with one. Because if we start with one, and those of you watching at home can do this as well, we'll have over a thousand thank you notes sent if all of us do one during the next few days. Can you imagine impacting a thousand people that you would not have impacted otherwise? That will transform communities and families. So I'm going to give Paul just, uh, I'm going to ask Paul, just, just you play something. I'm going to give you just a few moments to just reflect on who, who that person is. Maybe you want to start jotting down some notes. And then I just simply want to say, uh, I want you to be in prayer for that person. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer in just a couple minutes. So Paul, if you'll play just as you begin to reflect and think about the person, one person you want to write this note to this week.
God, I pray for that one person that's being thought about right now by each person here and those watching at home. Lord, I pray that we'll have the courage to be courageous people to be able to write a note of thanksgiving, to have an attitude of gratitude for that one person. Then, Lord, as we do that, write that note for that one person, Lord, I pray that as we meet together, many families gathering together on Thursday, that you will just begin to uh, reveal a pathway to love and a pathway to new life in Christ. So, God, come, shine upon us this day. Amen? Amen.